Good evening and welcome to Outbeat Extra and the last Outbeat radio program of 2012. I'm Greg Moralia. Well, this year's certainly been a groundbreaking one for the LGBT community. The Huffington Post said recently, quote, It was one of the best times. It was one of the worst times. But no matter how you look at it, 2012 will be remembered as one of the most historic years yet for lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people. There were monumental strides in politics. Openly LGBT people won elections nationwide. Marriage equality victories rolled during the election in November. And resounding same-sex marriage support came from some surprising new directions, including from President Barack Obama himself. We also saw a notable number of celebrities and professional athletes from around the world come out with little or no fanfare. The first out male member of Congress, Barney Frank, announced his retirement, and the United States Supreme Court announced it will consider again the issue of equal rights and marriage, this time for same-sex couples. But the year was not free from frustrating stories either. LGBT youth continued to be driven to suicide because of bullying and rejection, religious extremists lashed out regularly with anti-gay remarks, And the Pope was on a rampage, even declaring LGBT people as, quote, less than fully developed humans, end quote. Clearly, our struggle for civil rights and equality still has a long way to go, but we can certainly be proud of our gains. Join me tonight for a look back at some of the people, events, and music making LGBT news in 2012. Right after your Outbeat Radio news for this Sunday, December 30th, 2012. This week, Mexico has reportedly become the first North American country to end its ban on blood donations from gay and bisexual men. According to the Gay Star News, the new blood donation regulations came into effect December 25th, which screened donors now based on sexual history rather than sexual orientation, meaning that HIV and hepatitis negative gay and bisexual men with safe sex histories may donate blood provided they are not sex workers or injecting drug users. Mexico's National Council to Prevent Discrimination released a statement both confirming and applauding the new regulations. It read in part, quote, From now on, medical scientific criteria will be used to identify pathogens in the blood, and the focus will be turned to risky behaviors rather than social groups. As South Florida Gay News pointed out, Argentina's Congress has approved a similar bill, which is set to go before the country's Senate in 2013. However, here in the U.S., gay men are still prohibited from donating blood. And here locally, Pegasus Theater Company presents two one-act plays, Duck Variations by David Mamet and directed by Susan Parker, and The Madness of the Lady Bright by Lanford Wilson and directed by Darlene Kirsner. The show opens January 18th and runs for four weekends through February 10th at the Rio Nido Lodge in Rio Nido. In Duck Variations, two older men meet daily at a park bench in the city where they riff on the big themes of life. George, played by Frank Ferris, pontificates a bit, sometimes coming up with comically half-baked pseudoscientific theories. Emil, who's played by Scott Kirsner, who is open to the wonder of the world, is his perfect foil. Together, in this genial comedy, they muse about life and death and sex and love, their connection to the world and to each other, and of course, ducks. Set in the early 1960s, The Madness of the Lady is a powerful, witty, and empathetic portrayal of an aging drag queen struggling to hold on to some remembrance of reality. On a hot summer day in his tiny New York City apartment, Leslie Bright, played by John Rowan, sinks deeper into self-doubt and loneliness. When he can't reach out to any of his former lovers, he is visited by their ghosts, played by Rachel Custer and Connor O'Shaughnessy, and is tormented by their memories. All performances on opening weekend, January 18th through the 20th, are on a pay-what-you-can plan. The performances on January 25th through February 9th are a $15 general admission. Friday and Saturday evening performances begin at 8 p.m. and Sunday matinees at 2 p.m. The final performance, the Sunday matinee on February 10th, will be a fundraising gala for Pegasus with an admission price of $30, which includes complimentary champagne, non-alcoholic beverages, and hors d'oeuvres. You can learn more at www.pegasustheater.com. And finally, Napa Valley College announced it will offer an introduction to LGBT studies class this spring on Monday nights from 6.30 to 9.20 p.m. This credit course is now part of a new certificate program in LGBT studies offered by the college. You can learn more and register at www.napavalley.edu. Now here's your calendar of events for the coming week. 
On Tuesday, January 2nd at 10 a.m., the Napa LGBT Older Discussion Group will convene at the Queen of the Valley Community Outreach Center, 3448 Villa Lane in Napa. And also on Tuesday at 7 p.m., out and about Santa Rosa, a social group will meet at Aroma Roasters in Railroad Square. And on Thursday, January 4th, from 7 to 9 p.m., the Men for Men Social Support Group will gather at the Marin AIDS Project, 910 Irwin Street in San Rafael. And also on Thursday, the North Bay L Scene will host an LGBT mixer at the Rendezvous Bistro, 614 4th Street, starting at 6 p.m. And on Sunday, January 7th at 7.30 p.m., PFLAG's Napa Support Group will meet at the Covenant Presbyterian Church, 1226 Salvador Avenue in Napa. If you have news or an event you'd like to share with our listeners, tell us about it by going to our brand new website at OutBeatNews.com and stay connected with us during the week on Facebook and Twitter for the latest LGBT news from the North Bay and beyond. For Gary Carnavelli, I'm Greg Moralia. was Carly Rae Jepsen with Call Me Maybe, one of the most popular LGBT anthems of 2012, and one of the most popular lip-synced songs memorialized on YouTube by countless numbers of shirtless military groups, the Queens of West Ho, a group of Abercrombie and Fitch models, the Olympic dive team, and women's rowing team, and countless others lesser-known groups. Well, there were certainly many stories that made the headlines in 2012, but few more disturbing than the notable rise in the number of young people who became infected with HIV this year. It would appear that this generation has forgotten what happened some three decades ago. According to the United Nations, about 34 million people worldwide are living with HIV, and 2.5 million were infected last year alone. 
In the United States, the Centers for Disease Control says there is an alarming rise in the spread of HIV among teenagers and young adults, with 1,000 new infections each month. Yet public officials and healthcare workers say the world is nearing a turning point on AIDS, the disease caused by the HIV virus. In advance of World AIDS Day, U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton outlined a plan calling for global efforts towards improving treatment and preventing the spread of HIV. We can reach a point where virtually no children are born with the virus, and as these children become teenagers and adults, they are at a far lower risk of becoming infected than they are today. Dr. Anthony Fauci, who heads AIDS research at the U.S. National Institutes of Health, says medical advances have made the difference. Right now, we're in a very interesting position where we have the tools and the wherewithal to have a major impact on turning around the trajectory of the AIDS pandemic. One of the tools involves treating people early in their infection, before they get sick. This allows those with HIV to lead productive lives, and studies show it dramatically reduces the odds that they will infect a sexual partner. There used to be a tension between the resources that you put in for treatment versus the resources that you put in for prevention. Right now we know that treatment actually is a form of prevention. But for every person who receives treatment, two more become infected. Only about 8 million HIV patients in developing countries are receiving treatment. The United Nations goal is to have 15 million people receiving treatment by 2015. But experts say that testing and education are also crucial. The CDC recommends routine testing for everyone. Dr. Jonathan Merman of the Centers for Disease Control spoke to VOA via Skype. Um, HIV testing should be as commonplace as cholesterol screening. As for the steep rise in HIV infections among young people in the United States, the CDC says doctors, teachers, and parents need to ensure that young people receive information about HIV and AIDS and that they get tested and treated if they have the disease. Carol Pearson, VOA News. It would likely be impossible to count the number of people who came out in 2012. We certainly featured a number of local coming out stories on our shows this year, but a large number of celebrities and professional athletes also came out this year with little or no fanfare. Not too long ago, if a celebrity came out as a gay American, it meant magazine covers talk show appearances. But now, if CNN anchor Anderson Cooper is any indication, more and more gay celebrities are choosing a defiantly mellow, matter-of-fact understatement. And that's as much a sign of the changing times as a new form of quiet activism. Now, if somebody uh, takes away something... Anderson Cooper. People know him. He's uh, the guy in the war zone or the hurricane or in the studio reporting the news with a unique earnestness and passion. And he's the guy with the daytime talk show yucking it up with comedian Kathy Griffin. People know him. Today, Cooper made a simple, low-key, straightforward announcement. The fact is, I'm gay, he wrote in an email to blogger Andrew Sullivan of the Daily Beast, adding, always have been, always will be, and I couldn't be any more happy, comfortable with myself, and proud. Anderson Cooper's identity as a gay man was a fact many people suspected or gossiped about over the years, but one that Cooper himself had chosen to keep private. So why now? In his email to Sullivan, Cooper spoke of the struggles many gay and lesbian people still face every day. There continue to be far too many incidences of bullying of young people, and I believe there is value in making clear where I stand. It is a powerful statement, and I think it will go a long way toward helping to boost the self-esteem and the confidence of kids who are gay. Gay activists like Jim Key say what Cooper did today will make a difference. We know that coming out is still our most powerful weapon in fighting anti-LGBT bigotry. And now everybody knows that they know someone who is gay because people feel like they know Anderson. While Cooper was never publicly out until today, though family, friends and colleagues knew, he has aggressively covered the plight of kids who've been bullied. This is not acceptable behavior. It's not cool behavior. And in a remarkable conversation with Ellen DeGeneres in 2010, he spoke out against the casual use of gay slurs. Words do have power, and they're used uh, like weapons. And when you're a kid, 
you know, it does, it can change the way you see yourself. So Anderson is out now. So much has changed in such a short time. I'm gay. When Ellen DeGeneres came out in 1997, she was a pioneer and she paid the price. There were protests, huge media coverage, speculation that she had put her career in jeopardy. This is 2020. She spoke to Diane Sawyer about it. When was the last time you had a moment's doubt, wondering if it were the right thing? You know what? I made the decision during the summer that I wasn't going to live my life as a lie anymore. Since then, it's gotten better. From Neil Patrick Harris to Jim Parsons to Matt Bomer, the co-star of the movie Magic Mike, where he plays a male stripper making the hearts of women melt. Coming out has become less controversial, less risky, less newsworthy even. Today, in so many walks of life, in so many fields and schools and families, the truth can be told. And that's what's really important. As Anderson Cooper put it in his email today, I am blessed far beyond having a great career. I love... And I am love. Cooper was joined by Good Morning America's Sam Champion, ABC News anchor Dan Clofer, actor Jim Parsons, Matt Bomer, Christy McLeod, and Urza Miller, musicians Diana King and Frankie Ocean. What is perhaps more remarkable is the number of athletes who came out this year. U.S. soccer players Megan Rapinoe and Lori Lindsay, gymnast Josh Dixon, U.S. Olympian and WNBA star Simone Augustus, Australian football player Jason Ball, wrestler Stephanie Lee, U.S. Olympic trampoline gymnast Jai Wallace, South African Olympian Karen Hulser, martial arts fighter Jessica Aguilar, former professional football player Wade Davis, and of course the first openly gay pro boxer Orlando Cruz. Why did you make the decision to come out now? I want respect. Here in my sport, outside the street. You want respect in the ring? In the ring. And outside on the street? And outside on the street, yes. Do you have that? Yes. 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 Are you glad you did this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, very happy. I am free. And a lot of celebrities became straight allies this year by speaking out in support of marriage equality, including Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Bruce Springsteen, breakout TLC reality star Alana Thompson, First Lady Michelle Obama, star of The Hunger Games' Josh Hutcherson, Vice President Joe Biden, and perhaps the most influential, President Barack Obama, who became the first sitting president in history to support marriage equality for same-sex couples. I have to tell you, as I said, I've, I've been going through an evolution on this issue. Um, I've always been adamant that uh, gay and lesbian uh, Americans should be treated fairly and equally. Uh, and that's why, in addition to everything we've done in this administration, rolling back Don't Ask, Don't Tell, uh, so that uh, you know, outstanding Americans can serve our country, uh, whether it's no longer defending the Defense Against Marriage Act, which uh, tried to federalize uh, what has historically been state law, uh, I've stood on the side of broader equality for uh, the LGBT community. Um, and I had hesitated on gay marriage, uh, in part because I thought civil unions would be sufficient, that that was something that would give people hospital visitation rights and uh, other uh, elements that we take for granted. Uh, and uh, I was sensitive to the fact that uh, for a lot of people, you know, the, the word marriage was something that evokes very powerful traditions, religious beliefs, and so forth. Um, but I have to tell you that over the course of uh, several years, as I talk to friends and family and neighbors, uh, when I think about uh, members of my own staff who are incredibly committed monogamous relationships, same-sex relationships, who are raising kids together, uh, when I think about uh, those soldiers or airmen or marines or uh, sailors who are out there fighting on my behalf uh, and yet feel constrained even now that Don't Ask, Don't Tell is gone because uh, they're not able to uh, commit themselves in a marriage. Uh, at a certain point I've just concluded that um, for me personally it is important for me to go ahead and affirm that uh, I think same-sex couples should be able to get married. 
quite a bold move when you consider he made that statement before his election to a second term. And what an election it was. A true statement about the changing social conscience of America around the issues of LGBT equality. For the first time in 32 elections, a constitutional ban on marriage equality was defeated by voters in Minnesota. And even better was the fact that the freedom to marry was passed into law by voters in Maryland, Maine, and Washington. And there were more LGBT candidates elected to public office in one single year than ever before. This year, Tammy Baldwin became the first openly gay member of the United States Senate, just as Barney Frank, the first openly gay member of Congress, retired. My, my late colleague Gary Studge was the first, was the first openly gay congressman. Gary, I was the first one to volunteer it. And in fact, the 25th anniversary of my uh, volunteering that will be next Memorial Day. Um, but um, I, I believe it had an impact. I, I, I think it did. I mean, I, I, I am very moved when Christine Quinn, who's the speaker of the New York City Council and a, a serious candidate to replace Mayor Bloomberg, tells audiences that Christine is in her 40s that my example was helpful to her. Yeah, I, look. The best antidote to prejudice is reality, because prejudice is, by definition, based on ignorance of, the, of, of, of people's real condition. And I, I am proud that by my finally coming out, it was 47, it didn't happen in a, you know, in a, in a, in a clean sweep, but it, when I volunteered finally to come out in 1987, I do think it was helpful in that regard. And yes, I am proud of that. And I'm frankly proud legislatively, I, I will say, uh, one of the things that we were able to do in the lame duck Congress last year was the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and I was able to play a major role on that. Uh, Speaker Pelosi, then Speaker Pelosi, really kind of put me in charge of that, and I, I have uh, you know, the, the gavel that was, that was used when Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed uh, um, hanging up. Now here's another gay anthem from 2012 from an ally who's been more outspoken about her support for equality than just about anyone. And I really think the words in this song capture this particular moment in history. Here's Lady Gaga with Edge of Glory.
You're listening to Outbeat Extra on North Bay Public Media, KRCB-FM Windsor, Santa Rosa. Well, our movement closer to the edge of glory didn't come without a fight this year. The haters got more vocal and more vile with their comments. Religious leaders, including the Pope, were on a true rampage this year. In his annual Christmas address to the Vatican bureaucracy, Pope Benedict XVI denounced efforts to grant gay people the right to marry and adopt, branding them an attack on the traditional family. The pontiff had already made a similar denunciation earlier in the week during his annual peace message, calling marriage equality a threat to world peace. His harsh words came as fewer and fewer governments seem to be paying attention. Spain, Britain, and France have all recently moved toward legalizing gay marriage. Even Republicans in the U.S. realize that attitudes are shifting toward greater acceptance of equal marriage. Newt Gingrich made waves this week by suggesting the GOP, quote, accommodate and deal with reality on the issue. But don't expect the Vatican to come around anytime soon. And then, of course, there's Chick-fil-A. Here's company president Dan Cathy. I think we're inviting God's judgment on our nation when we shake our fist at him and say, you know, we know better than you as to what constitutes a marriage. And uh, I pray God's mercy on our generation that has such a a prideful, arrogant attitude to think that we would the audacity to try to redefine what marriage is all about. And despite losing two significant corporate donors, the Boy Scouts of America reaffirmed its policy again this year, prohibiting participation by openly gay scouts and scout leaders. A local candidate for Eagle Scout was rejected by the scouts after coming out. Ryan Andreessen and his parents are fighting back. Did people in your scout troop know you were gay? Yeah, they've, they've known for quite a while. So. And so, so you had told them? Yes, I did. And, and the scout leader knew you were gay? Yeah, he knew. And what did he say about it at the time? Um, we've actually never even talked about it. It's never really been an issue. He just, he just knew? Yeah. So did, you knew the policy on sexual orientation. Did you, had you, were you concerned that that might stop you from progressing in the scouts? I actually didn't know about the policy for very long. Um, I heard about it when they reinstated it over the summer and I didn't totally understand then um, that that was actually like a policy. So um, I actually really was pretty naive to it. So how did they tell you, or how did you hear that you weren't going to be able to get your Eagle Scout? Um, my Scoutmaster had a meeting with my dad, and my dad came and told me. So, so your Scoutmaster never even talked to you about He it. still won't talk to me. He's ignoring me still. So You've reached out to him? I have. What does that feel like? Because this is a person you looked up to. Um, I mean, it's, it's really sad. Um, I feel really devastated, especially because I, I looked up to him for so long, and... Um, to have him just totally ignore me like this, like it, it's not like him, and it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's sad. Karen, when you heard that this was happening, what did you think? I just, I thought it was just terrible. We were all in shock with the decision, and um, he had just one week in despair before his 18th birthday, and we were just sure he was going to have it signed off. Because you have to get it signed off before you turn 18. Right. Yep. And he works so hard, and his wall looks so nice, and they're so happy at the middle school. The principal loves it, and it was so unique for Ryan to do that. It wasn't um, some of the scouts do um, park benches or what else is it they do? Owl, owl boxes, owl park boxes, benches. and yeah. it, you put so much time into that. And he took time off from school to do it, and um, I'm so proud of him. Oh, thanks. <laughs> So you put a petition yeah. on change.org, yes, which petition? is the cool thing about change.org mm-hmm. is anybody can write a petition about anything. Right. And mm-hmm. I've never heard of them before. And, um, and now I think it's about 400,000. Yeah, we're almost yeah. there. 400, about 400,000 people have signed yes. a petition. Where so can people amazing. find the petition? Just to go to change.org? Change.org. change.org it's, it's the first thing that comes up, or change.org slash Ryan's Eagle. Mm-hmm. It's the link. When, when you saw those numbers go up on that petition, what does that feel like? Oh my gosh, my heart was racing. It's crazy. I, I, I never expected it. Um, I didn't think I would reach 100, and I'm at 400,000. Like, yeah. <laughs> you didn't think you'd reach 100 people? Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> what, what do you want to say to people who, who say, well, why should you be in Scouts? Or why should somebody who uh, is gay be, be allowed to be an Eagle Scout? Because we're not any different. We're not inadequate. Um, we're, like, we're people, too. We're all people. Um, everyone, everyone's a person. Um, Boy Scouts is an amazing opportunity. I don't think anything's like it. I don't think there's anything else that a gay person could go to if they're kicked out of Boy Scouts. And I'm just, I'm so blessed that I've gotten to go through it. And I, I can't imagine 
not being able to even go through it in the first place. You also have someone who is a former member of your scout troop mm -hmm. who got their their uh, their eagle badge, who was gay, but didn't announce that they were gay. Yeah. Um, and they've reached out to you as well. Yeah, Matthew Kimball. Um, he started an organization called A Good Turn, and they're collecting eagle pins for me. It's amazing. <laughs> so other people are, are wanting to give you their eagle pins? Yeah. How many people so far? Uh, we have 170 pledges last time I checked, oh. so it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Karen, what do you hope for your son? I hope he continues um, this work. He's, does, he's doing such a good job for everybody, and he really, really enjoys being an advocate for people. Okay. All he ever wanted to do was help people. And, um, and I just wanted Ryan to know, just because your scoutmaster <laughs> doesn't value you, I value you, and a lot of people are there oh, cheering you. you on, <laughs> lots of people. Is, is there a chance that they might re reverse their decision? I mean, is that possible? I'm, I mean, that's what I'm shooting for. Um, I think that change takes a long time. I don't think it's going to happen today or tomorrow. Um, it might take a while, but it's a slow process and it's getting there. Um, councils are changing their minds one by one. And Lo local Boy Scout councils? Yes. Are, are adopting um, inclusive policies and it's, it's going in the right direction. Despite the lack of employment protection for LGBT people that exists across the United States, an issue many would argue that is more important than the right to marry, this year, marriage equality was clearly the symbol of what LGBT equality means across the country. In fact, the National Law Journal quoted a line from the Ninth Circuit Court's decision to invalidate Proposition 8, quote, Had Marilyn Monroe's film been called How to Register a Domestic Partnership with a Millionaire, it would not have conveyed the same thing, end quote, as its top legal quote of 2012. Here's a look back at the history of Proposition 8. <laughs> Yesterday, the California Supreme Court issued a ruling that had a profound effect on lesbian and gay Californians. We saw thousands of people take to the streets last night to express their sadness, grief, and dismay at the court's failure to protect their fundamental rights. For even one couple to live through one more day of state-sanctioned second-class citizenship is one day too many. Tonight, California's same-sex wedding ban is under fire. They're ready to take the case all the way to the Supreme Court. But they're kind of an odd legal couple. Veteran lawyers Ted Olson and David Boyce are coming together on gay marriage. Ted Olson, he's a former U.S. Solicitor General and a renowned conservative. He represented George W. Bush in the election case. This case is about the equal rights guaranteed to every American under the United States Constitution. Then there's David Boies, who represented Al Gore. Republicans, Democrats, conservatives, and liberals all recognize the importance of the equal rights guaranteed by the Constitution. They have joined together to challenge this ban. They want to take the issue of gay marriage to the Supreme Court. Well, it's history in the making in California, happening right now. Proposition 8 went on trial today in federal court in San Francisco. First ever federal case challenging laws against gay marriage. To determine if states that ban same-sex marriage are violating the Constitution. Two couples in the case who are challenging Prop 8 arrived at the federal courthouse early. We're all Americans who simply want to get married, just like everyone else. Nothing really speaks to the true commitment of two people in our minds as strongly as the term marriage. There are three basic points that we want to make. One is that marriage is a fundamental right. Since 1888, the United States Supreme Court has 14 times decided that the right to marriage is a fundamental right. The second is that gay and lesbian couples are seriously harmed when they're deprived of that right. They are our doctors, our lawyers, uh, our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers, and the third point is that allowing them to be married doesn't hurt anybody. It is simply allowing people that have an abiding affection for one another to live a civil life uh, as your next door neighbor, the same way you are. Now a landmark case that could affect the future of gay marriage across the nation. In San Francisco, a federal trial over same-sex marriage is now underway. Isn't it risky to ask the court to invalidate that much public opinion before the public is really ready for it. And when the Supreme Court held that it was unconstitutional to prevent interracial marriages, 64% or more 
of the population of the United States, about two-thirds of the population of the United States, believed interracial marriages were wrong. The trial over Proposition 8, the ban on same-sex marriage, is moving into a new phase. That after opponents of Prop 8 called their final witness today. Meanwhile, the team defending Proposition 8 seemed to struggle a little bit in the courtroom today. The judge in our case asked my opponent, what harm to the institution of heterosexual marriage would occur if gays and lesbians were allowed to marry? My opponent said, finally, he had to answer truthfully. I don't know. I don't know. What we saw at trial is that it's very easy to make all sorts of statements in campaign literature or in debates where they can't be cross-examined. But when they come into court and they have to support those opinions and they have to defend those opinions under oath and cross-examination, those opinions just melt away. The testimony is over in the same-sex marriage trial in San Francisco. A federal judge heard final arguments about the same-sex marriage ban from both sides of that issue. The political process in the case of same-sex marriage was working. Five states and Washington, D.C. have legalized same-sex marriage. Now you are, in effect, pushing the courts to preempt the argument. Well, would you like your right to free speech? Would you like Fox's right to free press put up to a vote? and say, well, if five states have approved it, let's wait till the other 45 states do. We're not trying to take something away from anyone. Jeff and I aren't trying to change the world. What we're trying to do is reiterate what our government has already told us, that this right is a fundamental right for every single American. Good evening. Breaking news tonight in America's national debate about what defines a family. Up and down the Golden State, supporters of same-sex marriage are celebrating tonight. Federal Judge Vaughn R. Walker's ruling was sweeping and definitive, striking down the ban on same-sex marriage in ringing terms. Because California has no interest in discriminating against gay men and lesbians, the court concludes that Proposition 8 is unconstitutional. Today's decision affirms that under the Constitution, a government of the people, by the people, and for the people cannot discriminate against the people. The judge also directly rebutted opponents of same-sex marriage, saying permitting same-sex couples to marry will not affect either the number of or stability of opposite-sex marriages. The landmark decision was the result of a lawsuit filed by two same-sex couples to overturn Prop 8. With this decision, the system worked. Our courts are supposed to protect our constitutional rights. Today, they did. Equality is something that our nation has always been about. We read about it in school. Our ancestors came to this country in search of it. Well, this decision today brings Paul and I and so many others like us closer to that equality too. The next legal step in the battle over same-sex marriage in California is now underway. The fight over Proposition 8 continued in court today. A three-judge panel with the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals is set to hear arguments from Prop 8 supporters. The judges will decide whether to uphold a district judge's ruling that the initiative voters approved in 2008 to ban same-sex marriage is unconstitutional. The justices are expected to take at least a month and likely more to make their decisions about this case. There's been a bit of a delay because those who oppose them on same-sex marriage are actually questioning the legitimacy of the trial. I want to get back to the huge decision today that is taking place in California. A big day for civil rights today. The California Prop 8 same-sex marriage case, that got decided today in California. The federal appeals court struck down California's Proposition 8 and gave supporters of same-sex marriage their biggest legal victory yet. The court found that Proposition 8 served no purpose and had no effect other than to lessen the status and human dignity of gays and lesbians in California. These are our American citizens. These are our brothers and our sisters. We have got to treat them right. We've got to treat them decently. We've got them to give them the same freedom and justice that we give to other people. Well, a big ruling in the fight for California's Prop 8 and marriage equality, but the fight is not over. All sides expect this case to go to the Supreme Court. The case is expected to go to the U.S. Supreme Court. To every American whose rights are being denied, we are here to say this fight is not over and we will win. I think it is, in some senses, the last major civil rights battle that we're fighting in this country, hopefully. 
And so today, we begin the process of saying to the millions of people who are made to feel ostracized, besieged, bullied, and ashamed of how God made them, be who you are, love who you love, and marry who you wish to marry. I'll be the change. And it appears marriage will continue to be the focal point of equality in 2013, as the United States Supreme Court will rule on California's Proposition 8 and the Federal Defense of Marriage Act. Uh, loving, committed, same-sex couples who now have been waiting for over four years will have to wait months longer for the freedom to marry. But we're also very hopeful that the United States Supreme Court is going to say once and for all that loving, committed couples in California and perhaps the nation uh, have that basic freedom to marry the person that they love. There are those that are disappointed in that they did not want cert to be granted in this case. And there are also those that were looking forward, including myself, to having marriages start here in City Hall this week. We cannot let that obscure the fact of the tremendous progress that has been made with respect to marriage equality over the course of the last decade. So while I share the disappointment of those that had hoped that marriages would start in City Hall this week, I am gratified and confident, very confident, that the Supreme Court, which is now going to be taking up the civil rights issue of our time, will reach the same result that the District Court did and the Ninth Circuit did and will find that Proposition 8 unlawfully discriminates against gay and lesbian couples here in the state of California. And it's my pleasure to introduce our Attorney General Kamala Harris. Thank you, Dennis Ware, our great city attorney. This is a very significant day, obviously. The highest court in the land has decided to take up what will be one of the biggest uh, civil rights cases that this court could ever hear. And it comes down to a fundamental point. Um, are we a country that is true to its word and true to its spirit or not? This is a case about fundamental questions of fairness and equality. We in 1776 said we are all and should be treated as equals. And the fact that in these United States, created the way we were with that spirit, at this point in time treats one group of people legally different than all others is outrageous. If the court had uh, decided not to hear the case, then couples would have been able to marry as soon as next week. But since they did hear the case, then there's the possibility of a truly landmark decision about the freedom to marry for all loving committed couples in our state and perhaps our nation. But we're also hopeful that we will get a wonderful decision in June that affirms all of our marriages and the rights of all Americans to marry the person that they love. And it's really about every loving, committed couple in our nation being able to say, I do. Well, I see trees of green and red roses too. I'll watch them bloom for me and you. And I'll think to myself, what a I see skies of blue and I see clouds of white and the bright blessed day and the dark sacred night and I'll think to myself what a wonderful world the colors of the rainbow so pretty in the sky are also of faces People going by, I see friends shaking hands, saying, How do you do? They're really saying, Hi, I love you. I hear babies cry, and I watch them grow. They'll learn much more than we'll ever know, and I'll to myself what a wonderful world someday I wish upon the star wake up where the clouds are far behind be here 
do come true or some That was our good friend, local singer and songwriter, Jason Phillips. In 1952, the Mattachine Society published the first ever gay magazine called One. The writers had to use synonyms to avoid being arrested, and in 1954, the U.S. Postal Service declared the publication obscene and refused to distribute it. The United States Supreme Court then ruled against the post office in 1958 in what would become a landmark First Amendment case. Today we enjoy hundreds of LGBT publications, both in print and online. And two of the most reputable ones we consider partners are The Advocate Magazine and Huffington Post. Much of what you hear on our weekly Outbeat News segments comes from these two sources. And my personal thanks goes to the writers and editors of both publications for their commitment to quality and for keeping our community informed all year long. Who would have thought back in 1954 that today we would not only have so many LGBT publications, but so many gay characters represented in a positive way on television. Imagine a primetime TV show about a gay couple and their surrogate about to give birth to their baby. This is becoming the new normal. I'm great at being pregnant. I had tons of energy and no morning sickness. Having Shania is the most successful thing I've done in my life so far. Only family history of cancer? No. He's a doctor for Lady Bits. A gynecologist. Good for you. <laughs> Syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia. Not even HPV, and you can throw a cat and hit a girl with that. Checks out beautifully. So why then does a beautiful, smart, seemingly sane person want to gestate someone else's child? Well, $35,000 is a huge chunk of money. I need a way to change my daughter's life. I want to go to law school someday. And you have no problem with doing this for two men? No moral issue with that? Oh, no. I requested a gay couple. I was driving and I overheard a deranged homeless woman saying not-so-nice things about a lesbian couple. But all I could think was, a family is a family. And love is love. And we are represented on television a lot. GLAAD reported this October an all-time high for the number of gay characters, some 4.4%, who appear regularly on primetime network dramas and comedies. These shows are helping to redefine today's modern family as well as to provide positive images of LGBT people for our youth. Before we leave 2012 behind tonight, I want to share some exciting news with you about a new show coming to Outbeat Radio in 2013. Outbeat Now is becoming Outbeat News in Depth, a news magazine-style radio show featuring two to four segments each month, including Outbeat Youth. We plan to feature the people and events making LGBT news here in the North Bay and beyond. Outbeat News in Depth will connect the weekly Outbeat News segments you hear at the beginning of each hour on Outbeat Radio, and they will come together on our brand new website, OutbeatNews.com. OutbeatNews.com is your source for LGBT news and information. You'll find feeds from national LGBT news organizations like the two I just mentioned, a local community calendar, and of course, our own programs that you can listen and download anytime. Stay connected with Outbeat News all month long on our Facebook and Twitter feed. You'll even find links on our page to share your events and news stories with our listeners. We want OutbeatNews.com to be the place you go for LGBT news and information. I leave you tonight with a final look back at the LGBT civil rights movement and our fight for equality. You know, sometimes it's hard to see how far we've come until you look back and hear how LGBT people were viewed in the 1960s. Tune in next Sunday night at 8 p.m. for Outbeat Radio and Living Proof with Sheridan Gold and Dr. Diana Grayer. And from all of us here on the KRCB Outbeat Radio team, have a happy and prosperous new year. And thanks for spending your Sunday night with us. Most Americans are repelled by the mere notion of homosexuality is in fact a mental illness. Two out of three Americans look upon homosexuals with disgust, discomfort, or fear. One out of ten says hatred. One never knows when the homosexual is about. This involves showing the gay man pictures of nude males and shocking him with a, a strong electric current. He will be unable 
to get sexually aroused. They are taught that no man is born homosexual, that it is not genetic in origin, not the result of a hormone imbalance. Rather, they are told that sexual behavior is learned behavior. The average homosexual, if there be such, is promiscuous. He is not interested in nor capable of a lasting relationship like that of a heterosexual marriage. And if we catch you with a homosexual, your parents are going to know about it first. And you will be caught, as this is one thing you cannot get away with. This is one thing that if you don't get caught by us, you'll be caught by yourself. And the rest of your life will be a living hell. Matt Shepard, the gay college student savagely beaten last week in Wyoming, died this morning. Mayor Moscone and Supervisor Harvey Milk have been shot and killed. How many more gay people does God have to create before we ask ourselves whether or not God actually wants them around? I'm gay. Yeah, I'm gay. Okay. Will Phillips is refusing to pledge allegiance to the flag in his fifth grade classroom until there really is liberty and justice for all. There is a push underway to lift the ban that prohibits gay men from donating blood. Gay men have not been allowed to donate blood since 1985 because of a fear of HIV. It's a policy that some say is way outdated and unnecessary. Homosexual behavior is harmful not only to society but more importantly to the individuals who engage in that behavior. Homosexuals and atheists are not to be allowed to be registered as, as leaders and, or members of the Boy Scouts of America. How can we, as people who make the laws, say to one small group of our fellow citizens, you know, there's something about you that some people don't like, so you are not eligible for work. You can be fired. You can't get a promotion. I hardly think that bullying is a real issue in schools. I want you to meet a little boy named Asher Brown. He lived in Texas. He was 13 years old. And I say was in the past because he shot himself in the head last Thursday. Billy Lucas of Greensburg, Indiana, was just 15 years old when bullying pushed him over the edge. Hi, this is Jamie from Buffalo, New York. I just want to tell you that it does get better. 14-year-old Jamie Rodemeyer took his life Sunday. Let's do this one for Jamie. When government starts to tell us who can love and what is good love, I do have a problem with that. I do. Today I'm announcing my support for a law that gives our same-sex couples in our state the right to receive a marriage license in Washington, the same right given to our heterosexual couples. I believe that a marriage should be between a man and a woman. No offense to anybody out there, but that's how I was raised and that's how I think that it should be between a man and a woman. It was the most controversial state issue on the ballot. You know I'm talking about proposition number eight. There are still a few votes to be counted, but it looks like the measure has passed. If you're for equal rights, why would you get married right now? It's like joining a country club that doesn't allow blacks or Jews. There's no difference. An open statement by a service member that he or she is a homosexual will create a rebuttable presumption that he or she intends to engage in prohibited conduct. I am an infantry platoon leader in the New York Army National Guard, and by saying three words to you today, I am gay, those three words are a violation of Title 10 of the U.S. Code. Lieutenant Dan Choi has been fired from the U.S. military. Should gay couples have the right to adopt in Virginia? Florida Governor Charlie Chris has ordered the state to stop enforcing a ban on adoption by gay and lesbian parents. California's ban on same-sex marriage marriage was overturned by a federal judge in San Francisco. On February 12th, an openly gay 15-year-old boy named Larry, who is an 8th grader in Oxnard, California, was murdered by a fellow 8th grader named Brandon. Larry was killed because he was gay. One of the most obnoxious and offensive vestiges of our criminal justice system from another era is the gay panic defense. The idea that if a gay person makes a pass at you and you don't like it, you can fly into a rage, shoot and kill that person, and that's some kind of a defense. We are not a nation that says, don't ask, don't tell. We are a nation that says, out of many, we are one. Three, two, one. Today, it is day one. The long controversial don't ask, don't tell policy expired at midnight. Some say domestic partnerships are the same as marriage. That's a version of the discriminatory, separate but equal argument of the past. You are telling Iowans that some among you are second class citizens who do not have the right to marry the person you love. You can love that person. 
but you can't marry them. That's wrong. It's separate but equal. I can be a second-class citizen. I cannot legally come up with an argument against same-sex marriage. To all of the gay and lesbian kids out there tonight who have been told that they are less than by their churches, by the government, or by their families, you are beautiful, wonderful creatures of value. Now our mission is to reach out and teach people to love and not to hate. When the message out there is so horrible, that to be gay, you can get killed for it, we need to change the message. Things will get easier. It gets better. The sexual orientation of my parents has had zero effect. I took a bad character. I have a dream. We still have a dream. I this is done. Bless God and bless the gays. Eyes 33, nays 29. class citizen. I am not a second class citizen. It is okay if you're gay.